Welcome to the Cancel This Podcast. Today, we're going to have a great conversation with my dear friend, Pastor Joshua Putnam. He is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Howard City, Michigan. He's been pastoring there for approximately six years. Joshua and I became friends approximately one year ago, and I tell you what, our relationship is just like taken off, and uh, he's he's um, a mentor in my life, an elder in my life, and just, just a dear friend. So anyways, I'd like to welcome you to the show, Josh. How's it going, buddy? Great. Thanks for having me. It's a privilege, and uh, I was actually thinking about that today, how amazing it is. I reached out to you and I didn't even really mean to reach out to you, just trying to get some info on your book. And the Lord took that, and here we are today. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. So. You know, that's been so cool. Is You're not here to promote books and do all that kind of stuff. But just when we put our stories out there and we put testimony out there and we grab stuff like YouTube or, you know, a publishing contract or a podcast and and use it in a way to, uh, first and foremost, bring glory to God. Secondly, draw people to his son, you know, which is highly important to you. Just how, how he uses that, knits it together and brings us together in ways we never saw coming, which just, once again, is a testimony to how awesome and almighty our Father in heaven is. So, again, Amen. thanks for being here, brother. So, what I wanted to talk about with you today is I wanted to kind of get a biblical look at what I've been kind of exploring and doing on this show of looking into the cancel culture and talking our way through it. Because my biggest thing that I have with the cancel culture inside the church, which let's be honest, it's there, Mm -hmm. and outside the church, is we're basically canceling repentance, if you really think about it, right? Because someone does something we don't like, doesn't right. And don't get wrong, I'm not justifying what a lot of people do because, whoa, let's slow down for a minute and let's recognize that they're wrong. But isn't it dangerous just to recognize it, then shove them off to the side and cancel them? What are your thoughts on that? I would agree. And, And it's interesting because I've actually talked about this as well. I we so quickly get upset with with this cancel culture, but then what do we do? We boycott certain companies because we don't like what they stand for. Mm-hmm. Um, we we write off people who maybe don't believe the same as we do. Whatever it is, it's very easy for us. I'm always reminding our people when you look at somebody that you don't agree with, especially in in today's culture where you know it's a sinful thing. They don't know any better. That's what Romans tells us, right? We're born as sinners. That's all they know. So mm-hmm. if we cancel them, how will we ever be able to reach them for Christ? That's that's my question. Right. No, that that's such a good thing. So, you know, like something as basic as Nike. It seems like the shoe companies right. f- come to front all the time for something that they're doing, and it irks Christians. And I had a, someone look at me one time like, why are you wearing a pair of Nikes? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like, what? what are you talking about? I got flat feet as a comfortable shoe for those flat feet. Okay. First off, well, do you understand what they stand for and the company as a whole stands for and that they're a faithless company and they're pushing faithlessness Mm -hmm. on the world? And I said, let's slide back for a second because you're talking about my shoes. Now imagine if I walk in your house and I looked in your house and said, wow, the sheetrock hanging on your walls was made in China. Mm-hmm. faithless. You need to move out of that house. Come on, man. Right. China is all about, not the Chinese people, but the Chinese government is all about having a faithless society. So you bought into that. So now move out of this house. Well, that's ridiculous. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. And that's what I've said as well, is it's easy for us to boycott things that are in front of us. Show me 
show me hardly, I mean, there's hardly any company out there that we purchase from that is a faith-based company. Most mm-hmm. every company out there, I mean, you would, you would basically have to start living off the land if you're going to boycott that. Right. And again, Jesus put us here for a reason. He put us in the world. He, he, he left us here so that we could be salt and light. We can't be salt and light if we pull ourselves out of the world. Um, I mean, not to get us off track, but even right. that thinking of this, you know, survivalist, hey, I'm going to go live off the land and I'm just removing myself and I'm going to go live in the forest. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's the easy way out. That's not why we're here. We're here to be a part of this this world. We don't have to agree. We don't have to be a part of the sin but we do have to reach the people who who are sinning because we were there before too. And uh, if it wasn't for somebody coming to us, then where would we be? Right. And you nailed that. So the way I look at it is what you just described of that survivalist, that would, sure, they're faithful, not a faithless, they're a faithful person, but they made their faith self-centered, right? It's right. all about them. They're not sharing it. They're not doing what they've been called to do. Well, think about this also on the cancel culture side. If we just cancel someone out because we don't like their ideologies or or maybe their their um, way of preaching the gospel or something like that, we have now made our faith self-centered. We made it about us. And until other people start acting like us, we're going to not have anything to do with them. And I right. can't find anything in the Bible that says that. Now, don't get me wrong. I truly believe Christians and non-Christians alike make mistakes so bad And when they're in the middle of them, even when we're trying to say, hey, I'm speaking into this from a biblical Mm -hmm. way, they're not hearing it. I do believe people need to walk alone. But Christians, I have found, love to use that walk alone as a way to push them away again and have nothing to do with them. No, walk alone. I'm still going to check in on you. And until you can hear what I'm pouring into you, what God's telling me to pour into you through his word, until you can start hearing it, I'm still going to pull back because I need to see you do some work on your side, then come alongside you and help you work out what's going on. Do you think that's a fair assessment of how we should handle things? Yeah. And and it's interesting. I think somewhat what you're alluding to there is this, you know, when when Jesus talks about, um, what kind of what church discipline would should look like, right? And mm-hmm. and what I understand of that is if you study that, number one, the, the first reason we do that, there's the goal is repentance, which you said, right? We want to restore those people. And the second is is we're just told to treat them as an unsaved person. And right. I think that's where we've been challenged in our church as we've studied through Acts to to reconsider how we deal with unsaved people. Instead of pushing them out, I mean, we've really encouraged our people, go be friends, like be good friends with them. You're not going to agree with their choices. You don't have to live like they do, but unless you start to invest in their life and truly love them, then uh, then you're not going to be able to reach them. And that means you're going to be loving people and, and interacting with people on a regular basis that you disagree completely with. Um you've you've mentioned it somewhere i don't remember where but just this idea of uh maybe it was in on one of your podcasts but the idea of sitting at the table with the firefighters and totally disagreeing with them and then the tones drop and you get in the truck and and you go work alongside of them and uh you know i i get that privilege as well in my little town as a volunteer firefighter right. and it's the same way we can have conversations and totally disagree but i love those guys and 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 i believe they love me and i think that's really as Christians, the way we should be treating the world around us. 
No, I'm in total agreement. And where, where I would go with that statement is I brought it up a few times because I love to fall back on it because it's such a rich example of the stuff that we uh, go through in the fire service was we would be at the table with a Muslim, a Democrat, mm-hmm. a Republican. Um, I jokingly say me back in the day before I came to Christ and nothing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I had no faith whatsoever. And we would have heated. And when I say heated, it wasn't we were being mean to each other, but it was just men at the table talking right. with raising our voices, lovingly saying, nah, bro, you are an idiot with that statement. <laughs> right. But I opened myself up also so yep. I could go, yo, Jason, you're an idiot too. Yep. Like, agreed 100%. Right. Although I don't see eye to eye with you on stuff. But then, like you mentioned, when it came down to it, when the, the bell hit off, we were on mission together, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what were we doing? We were trying to help those that needed our help. And we agreed that we didn't agree with everything that each guy's doing, maybe how he lives his life or doesn't live his life or anything like that. But we put it all aside to help others. And that's what I see in the church and outside of the church needing to happen more and more. But the key there, Jason, is you, why was it so easy for that to happen? Because you were invested with those guys, right? I mean, right. you, you, you were through difficult, walked through difficult things. They call it a brotherhood for a reason. So you knew them and you knew that even if they told you you were stupid or you told them they were stupid or whatever, there was still, uh, there was still love and respect there. And, and that oh. was, you know, you, you weren't offended by that. I think often as Christians, we don't take the time to get to know the other people. So it's easier for us to cancel them. If we love somebody, we might disagree with them, but we're, we're, it's a, it takes a lot more for us to cancel them. But we've, we've put ourselves in this, we've separated ourselves so much from the world that we're not living in the world the way that we should be. I agree. And of course, I'd never advocate going out and calling someone stupid. Okay. <laughs> oh, but yeah, what you're yeah. saying is, right. you know, we're, we're friends, we're brothers. Right. Like, yo, Josh, bro, you're being so dumb right now. Okay. That's it. But imagine if all of a sudden someone is watching this episode and they're just disgusted by what we're saying for whatever reason. And all of a sudden they come out and say, you two are stupid. Ouch, that hurts. And vice versa. Imagine if I sat there and said, you know what? I know there's someone who doesn't agree with us and they're stupid. That is wrong because they're right. the, the, the context behind it is hideous. So it's all to me, it's about context and content so much. So like even in my book, I write in there, if you were to look through the window of the firehouse, you would think we all hated each other because you didn't know the content and the context <laughs> right, of everything that's right. going on, you know, and stuff and everything. But like you said, we got to know each other, like what you've been preaching upon in Acts and stuff is that we we really bonded as a small type community so we could have that open and fun dialogue. But let's be honest, even with that open and fun dialogue, there were times guys would make me angry and oh, sure. I would have to pull back. And a lot of times I wouldn't even tell them, you're making me angry. Because sometimes it's like, oh, you're making me angry. Well, what's that doing? That's a self-centered way of handling it. Why don't I just pull back, pray about it? If I really feel it's something that needs to be resolved further, then I'll speak to you about it. But I honestly believe a lot of things don't need to be resolved by us working out our differences because I just pulled back. I prayed about it. The anger went away and we move forward because there's nothing I really need to work out with you. You know, sometimes we make it more complicated than it needs to be, in my opinion. Just just sometimes we just need to man up and swallow our pride a little bit, right? And, and, And just go on with it. 
Right. Yeah. So I'm going to talk uh, recent events that have kind of gone on. I just love kind of talking about those in a way to not make them popular. But, you know, something that kind of struck me, not in a personal way, is I do watch football. I enjoy mm-hmm. football. Do I agree with everything that, you know, each player does? Probably not. But I'm not there for that. I'm there to watch the game. I really enjoy football. But as I was watching it this week, all of a sudden I see that John Gruden got fired. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then I hear why. And I look at it I'm like, okay, wow, that's some pretty tough stuff. But what kind of got me there and got me thinking is first off, I'm not justifying anything that was done sure. by any means, but no one gave the man a chance to repent. Even, and, and I don't know his salvation status. I don't know anything like that. But I do believe even in a worldly way, if you're not a Christian, we should give people the right to rehabilitate, if you will, right. you know, and, and it was taken from what are your thoughts on that situation? If you don't mind me asking. Well, I heard today, somebody said, uh, you know, the, the, the big talking heads on, a, on all the, all the big stations. And one of them said he will never be in the NFL again after this. Well, what happened to second chances? I, I would agree with you. I am not condoning. I heard somebody say it was inexcusable. Well, yeah, it, it is. But on the same hand, like you said, what what happened to an opportunity to change and then prove yourself? As Christians especially, it's easy for us to write a guy like that off and say, well, that was, that was hideous what he did. But Jesus says, the Bible says we're no different, right? We, we recognize that the the consequences of certain sin is different, but in 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 Jesus' eyes, if we sin, we sin. We're sinners, uh, so therefore we're just as horrible before Christ. So, it, it, number one, if it wasn't for Christ, where would we be? And what if what if Christ wrote us off? You know, we we can't, we just can't do that. I, that's where I struggle with this idea that, well, now he's done done in the NFL forever or or, or whatever. Um, did you ever think about giving him an opportunity? To, to change. And right. uh, yeah, I would agree. And, and yeah. we can't, we just can't do that. Even from a non-biblical approach, because, you know, I'm, again, I'm not going on what his faith is or is not stuff, but right. even from a non-biblical approach, which it does line up with the Bible, what about the chance of having him sit down with people and hear how bad the stuff he did hurts them? Right. There are things I have said, I have done. And if there was a screen behind me that showed every sin I ever committed in my right. life, Josh, he probably wouldn't come on the show. I'm going to be clear with right. you. He'd be like, I don't want anything to do with that guy. You know, Here, here's a great example. I don't know how much of a NASCAR fan you are. I'm, I'm, I'm born and raised in Michigan. So when you talk about the NFL being a Lions fan, you know, we've got more heartaches than anything. So they're still, they're still a team. I think they're the only team that's more. They're the only team that struggles more than the Raiders. Okay, no, I'm just joking. Uh, I hear you. So, anyways, uh, was it two? Uh, I think it was two years ago. Maybe it was just last year. Um, I might, you know, it's all time with everything going on. It's just weird anymore. But uh, they were doing the uh, online thing for NASCAR, and that was really cool. And one of the drivers let a racial slur slip, didn't know he was being recorded, didn't know he was live, turned into a big deal. Same thing, canceled. All the sponsors said, no, we don't want anything to do with him. Uh, his his uh, owner was forced to say, no, don't want anything to do with him, and he was fired. And, but NASCAR gave him an opportunity and he sat down with, uh, you know, like you just said, he sat down with people of other race and he talked with them and he went through some rehabilitation and he was able to prove to others that he was 
truly sorry and changing, right? Now he's back, actually back with a better team and and running really well. And I'm I was encouraged to see that he was given another chance instead of throwing everything away just because of that. Right. And that's what's so good about the the hearing how vile that word truly is to other people. Because it mm-hmm. is. But but if you never engage culture and don't hear it, because maybe here's the common fight. Well, I hear it in rap music all the time, da da da. Okay. Again, content and context. Okay. So this man says it. Then he sits and hears it. Well, what I truly believe it is is I don't know the man. Probably not a racist, but he didn't realize how he was feeding into racism. Right. right. I, I truly right. believe that because, oh, racist, right. they, trust me, they exist. And I lovingly say, even as a follower of Christ and a man who has elders like you above me, when I encounter racists, I truly want to punch them in their throat. Mm-hmm. That's how disgusting, because yeah. it's such a disgusting sin against God. And I know they're all dirty rags, but, we, you know, God, I'd always say, God isn't a diverse God, but he created diversity. He created people in his likeness. And that shows me something pretty amazing there. And if all of a sudden someone doesn't like someone because of that diverse background they come from or their their heritage they come from, ooh, that's a hard one for me to swallow because I'm, for whatever reason, I just have protective tendencies in me that go above and beyond just praying for people at times. You know, it's the physical aspect. So I hear when people who have suffered through discrimination have suffered through so much pain so much heartache over generations of their family to hear that i can truly understand why it's a stab to their heart and they would immediately want to cancel that person but what i say is just pray reflect and mm-hmm. let's see if we can rehabilitate this person right. yeah and i think there's a very fine line as christians that we need to walk between canceling but being almost going over to the woke side of things, Correct. right? No, you I know, agree, yeah. we, we need to walk, walk that line. As you were talking, I was thinking of another illustration. And again, the things that we're learning, it's very uncomfortable for many of us as Christians, the whole, you know, the gay and lesbian movement, that's uncomfortable for us. Um, but I, I was I was reading and there was a, she was a former lesbian, Lord saved her. She, you know, and she, but she said, hey, what I what I see is that Christians need to stop just immediately judging, and and not they don't have to agree. And she said that I'm not condoning the sin, but we need to take the time to get to know them because she said here was here's the thing: as we as Christians, we'll just preach the gospel to them, and and we'll we'll hit them, and and it's a matter of well, you didn't repent, and and you're so you're wrong, and we're going to write you off but rather understanding that that's one of those lifestyles that is all-encompassing. So for them to get saved and remove themselves from that lifestyle, it's a matter of it's their whole life. It's their friends. It's their what they do to pass their time. It's their, because they've been shut out by the rest of the world, so they become so much a part of this other culture that it's not just like, you know, somebody says, well, I'm going to get saved and start going to church on Sunday, but literally they're losing everything. And so there's some hesitancy there. And she said, it would be much better if as Christians, we would just take the time to get to know them and understand that we're not condoning their lifestyle, but we can still love them and be a part of who they are. And and I think what you said plays right into that, right? We, we're so quick to judge against sin and then, and then write them off or cancel them rather than take the time to spend with them. I think about, you know, we often kind of joke 
uh, tongue-in-cheek, well, Jesus ate with tax collectors and this and that. Do we realize how much tax collectors were hated? <laughs> right. And they, Jesus went to right. lunch with them. He right. wasn't one of them. He didn't become one of them. And we say, well, well, he was Jesus. No, he was our example that we should be doing the same things. And Jesus genuinely cared for them. Oh, yeah. When when I, I, I to go down that realm there of like, actually doing studies a little, you know, I hate saying deeper, you know, because we should all go as deep as God wants us <laughs> right. to go, which is constantly growing in, in the word and stuff. But the racism between, quote, tribes and people back then, man, you know, oh, like, yeah. what would people think of the Samaritans, <laughs> you know, right? I mean, <laughs> they, they weren't thought of very highly and stuff. But what I love about your take on this of dealing with people that are not Christians that are still living in unrepentant sin is we approach them as if they should recognize it as sin, bro. I've been bathed in the Holy spirit. The, the God's infallible word has become my entire truth. But before I was a Christian, this is how I fall back on it. Sometimes as I think right. about my pre-Christian days, but before I was a Christian, your Bible lovingly said as a Christian nowadays, I don't believe it. It was a book of lies. That was nothing. It was nothing, dude. It was no different than People Magazine, dude. But whatever. You guys just want to hold People Magazine up as your Bible. Go for it. So I was in a bad spot because I was not bathed in the Holy Spirit. So I didn't have the same truths as you. So if now I don't believe the same truths as you, and then you come at me and the first thing you start doing is convicting me of my sin, you feel that's the first thing you've been called to do as a follower of Christ, I'm kind of going to have pushback right away. Absolutely. If you sit down because you truly love me as your neighbor this much that you just want to pour that love on me. Now my ears are going to start opening. And as you know, with my story, I was a pretty hardened dude, you know, and it, it took a lot for me to finally be able to shut down the noise of this world and hear the truth. So with what you say there, when Christians go into the gay community with a, you better shame on you and this, and you're going to hell. And uh, uh, well, okay, sure. You're bringing them truth, but I always respectfully say, could we look back at the way you're bringing that truth? Right. Bringing it in a Christ-like way. Well, yeah, he turned over tables. You know that one. You know me when people say I, my first thing I was, shut up. That, that was, was in the a temple. one-time <laughs> thing, man. <laughs> that was, and it was content. What was happening within the temple? Okay, I yeah. don't, Jesus, I didn't see Jesus go to the well and chuck the lady down it, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it and stuff, um, it's just, it's and, and, and just so people listen, I'm not trying to say Christians are wrong. I, if you want to find the person who is the lead wrong person, I'm at the front of the line. Okay. But I want to try to learn from my wrongness. I want to try to learn from right. that. I try to show other Christians to hold a mirror up and just take a look at the way you're doing things and see how it would make you feel. Yeah. And you, you hit the, the biggest thing is why would we expect, you know, you talked about your life before Christ. If I were to walk in that firehouse as a Christian and and sit there at lunch with you and, and observe the things that, that you talked about, hear your nickname, all that stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. why would I think why would I think you would know any better? How like you said, to you, my Bible was full of lies. The Bible tells me that you think that. So why why am I so put off when you when you don't want to hear the truth that I have? 
Right. But rather, if 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 you think that I'm coming to you because I actually love you and I'm not judging you, now we have a different story. Yeah, that's that's the huge thing. So, like with me, I sort of heard the word that the pastor was preaching the first time I went to church with Christy, because we all know my, my experience, I showed up guarded for multiple reasons and stuff, rightfully so for some of them, wrongfully so for a lot of them. All right. So what really touched me was when that showman guy at the front of the room, again, speaking as a Mm non-believer became a human and invited me out to a meal. Right. I was like, wow. Or even sought me off to the side and said, Oh, I want to, I want to know more about you and started to ask me about fire department stuff, but in a realistic way, because we can, we've all sparked uncomfortable conversations in a room full of people that we don't know when we don't even really want to talk to them. Let's be real. And we can all mm-hmm. feel that. But when we approach people with a true, I want to get to know you in a non weird way, dude, right. that's when, when hearts and minds open up. And mm-hmm. when those open up, that's when people start to listen. Yeah, absolutely. I I think about when I was reading your book, and I I mentioned this to you, but when you talked about the first time you were going to go to church and you walked down there and they they told you you couldn't come in, like the anger that I was feeling in that moment, just the the, the anger for for that. But we do the same thing when when we judge, you know, when we judge sin the way that we do. Now, the Bible tells us that that you and I as Christians, Jason, I have a responsibility to judge you, right? You've talked mm-hmm. about our relationship and you'll reach out to me and say, hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? I have a responsibility because you're my brother, because you should know better, right? right. So I have right. a responsibility to help keep you in line and mm-hmm. and judge. I hate when people say, well, you, you, you shouldn't judge what? me. Yes, yes you I should. should. <laughs> yeah. You should. But I should <laughs> not judge an unbeliever because they don't know better. I should never judge them. I'm right. I'm called to love them. I'm never called to agree with them, but I'm called right. to love them. Well, that's what people even I think with inside the church. That's what I love about you is, you know, how trained up you are on scripture and 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 the view you have of it as a, you know, me more I slide over the evangelistic side where I want to get people to you, you know what I mean? As <laughs> right. so they could go deeper with the word with you. But the whole judgment thing, what I tell people there is why everyone freaks out like, you can't judge me. I'm like, listen, you're talking in the Bible. We're talking about the eternal judgment. First mm-hmm. off, I'm not the salvation police or the salvation judge. Right. Okay. I, I don't make that decision. But let's be honest. If I see my child's behavior go in a certain direction, I got to judge if that behavior is good or bad behavior, then readjust them properly. Correct. That's judgment. Right. If I see my brothers, they, Jason, let's go do this, this, and this. I'm like, Gosh, that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> no, I judged it. I judged what they right. were asking me to go. Guys, I don't think we should because of this, this, and this. Well, I'm giving them the scripturally backed reasons mm-hmm. why I judged the the what they wanted to do. And then I thought ahead about the behavior that could have come out of it. And none of it looked like it was going to glorify God. So I had to pull away from it. That's the judgment you and I are talking about. We got to correct 100%. Yes. But I think where we might have an issue also, Josh, was I've been overcorrected way too many times. Oh, yeah. You know, let me throw one out there for you. Ever since I've written a book... People, I love the fact that they feel they can speak into my life, which is cool. <laughs> but bro, hear me out when I say this. You're going to laugh how this. People will say, Jason, stay humble. They don't even know me. My response to them is, don't kick puppies. 
people are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, or someone else came to me and said, Jason, you need to make sure you stay humble. And I go, you need to make sure you don't cheat on your wife. And they're like, right. what? I'm like, well, hear me out. Like, I think sometimes that we feel the whole iron sharpens iron, keeping an eye on our brother, all this kind of stuff gives us liberties to speak into things that we shouldn't be speaking in. Now, if I'm not being humble, bro, you know me. I'm the first one that says, come kick the chair out from under me. Then I'm going to say, Christy, Josh said this. Christy being my wife, Josh said this. Do you right? And she's like, yeah, Josh is right. I'm like, darn it. Okay. <laughs> then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try better. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I believe, saw, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, you say that and I laugh because you, I think when you were getting ready to release the podcast, you put it on Facebook and one of the first comments was, stay humble, bro. And I was like, I think I'll stay out of it, right? Because I know you. And and then Christy commented, I think, well, but mm-hmm. she said something like, you know, if you knew my husband, you would know. I I know you and I and I understand that that's probably not something that you're ever going to have to worry about. I mean, not that we're not, not that but, you're not. Well, I, I am, but I have, right? but I have stuff in place. I have ex- my exactly. elder, you know, like, like I say, you're my long reaching elder and stuff. And, and you're, but you're you have on people at home. Media. Yeah. I have people at home. I have my local church, which is my yeah. go to. Like, check this out. The other day, someone sends I, my men's group at our house. Well, our pastor is part of the men's group because I'm not, don't get it wrong, we are in the word. But it's an organic men's group where we just hang out and have some pizza, relax and do whatever here and stuff and and just talk about whatever. Well, someone in the men's group texts out, they saw my book in Barnes and Noble and it had a very nice write up about it right underneath it. And so he goes, Jason, was was that you that wrote this? And my pastor goes, no, actually, actually, that book is called The Reservist. It's about a mom who reserves seats for their child's functions. <laughs> dude, he just blew me out of the water and stuff. <laughs> Those are the guys. And I'm like, dude, if I even wanted accolades for my book for my local church, they're not giving it to me. Okay, <laughs> They're like, nah, go out and be the parking uh, lot attendant. Okay, right. Jason, I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm in on that. So, so I, I love that you recognize that, but as Christians, it's tough because we automatically want to look for the negatives in people's lives and oh, yeah. them as opposed to mm-hmm. propping up the positives. Yeah, absolutely. And I've found that, um, just a little bit that I've started to get into, um, you know, online ministry, it doesn't take much for people who have no clue who I am to write with a negative comment, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, you find that. And I think part of it is we want to tear people down so we feel better about ourselves. Right. Well, we, I had a fun conversation. A guy hit me and he's a national guy and super nice, but he was kind of not cool. And he brought something up and he's like, when we were talking, he's like, yeah, well, we need to watch out for pastors that, that, you know, put gel in their hair and I'm filling up here. I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. I got some gel. I'm like, wow. All right. Personal attack. I hear you. Skinny jeans, all this type of stuff and everything. And he was like going, he's all, because it can open this, this, and this. It's like, so go, Hey, how old are you? And he's all, oh, I'm 64 years old. I'm like, oh, you're the first 64 year old man I've ever met that doesn't have a gray hair on his head. That's awesome. <laughs> so I basically <laughs> called him out for, for dyeing his hair, but telling me not to put gel in my hair, right. you know, in a fun, yeah. in a Jason sort of way. Cause yes, as you know, I have to pull back because sometimes the fireman comes out in me like, you know, I was like, I I just wanted to let him know he was truly being hypocritical because I too can be hypocritical so many times, you know? Yeah, but it's easy. There again, is that not what we're talking about? There's somebody who just immediately wants to cancel that 
Right. I mean, we we joke in my church if well, when, when's Pastor going to be wearing skinny jeans or you know we we joke that way, but but the reality is there's there's guys out there that dress like that 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 are great. They, that's just the way they dress. But unfortunately, because of those that haven't, we just immediately cancel everybody that looks mm-hmm. like that instead well, of getting to know who they are. And it falls back onto me being turned away from the church for the way I was dressed. I could be just an arrogant punk in return because honestly, when I see pastors feeling that they have to wear a suit and tie, oh, come on, bro. You don't need to wear that. Well, that's an arrogance on my side too. Let the man wear what the man wants to wear. Mm-hmm. He's so scripturally sound and that's let him do his thing. I do believe we need to bring a level of respect when we are preaching the word but oh, dude, sure. i have no problem with jeans i have no problems with with a, a t-shirt that doesn't draw you know people away from the message and stuff right. i really don't you know because i'll be honest I, I once saw a message with a guy that was so vibrantly dressed i couldn't get my mind off his clothes i was like <laughs> geez you know and, and so and it reminded me of you know someone once said because like i was asking about like how women should dress in church or something like that and he says Everyone, I loved it. They didn't just pick on women or anything, you know, and, and talk to I said, everyone should dress in a way that brings the other people's eyes to your face. I right. like that. I, I really yeah. enjoyed that, you know, and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so one it, of the things, oh, one yeah. of the things I've found, uh, Jason, too, is like you say that as a pastor, um, I've actually worked really hard uh, and, and it's been different. Our, our people have had to kind of learn that this is okay. But I don't I don't go around telling people I'm a pastor. That's right. that's a, really the last thing I want them to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so being on the fire department, being involved in the community, we're we're a one stoplight town here. So, you know, I'm I'm running a call on somebody and then two days later I see him in the grocery store, right? So I'm rubbing mm-hmm. shoulders with people in the community constantly, getting to know people in the school when we go. But what it's doing is then when they find out I'm a pastor, it's like, oh, well, he's he's kind of a real guy. Like he hangs right. out with us and, you know, uh, so I've worked hard at, at letting people know that just a pastor is what I do. That's, that's, that's my specific calling, but I'm a Christian and I'm just here to, to live in this world and show you Christ. Well, the way that I look at pastors and elders is this, is you guys still have to fill out every commandment from Genesis to the Indices, I know I always say that, the, the <laughs> revelation of John, you guys like how to, but you guys have to fill all of that out just like everyone else, but you also have some duties that also go above and beyond the duties that some have been given as followers of Christ. And so you have these duties up here, which you must fulfill. But guess what? You're still down here with us. You're just fulfilling right. these duties. You're right. down here with us. Yes. The reason you're up at the front of the room is so we can all hear you. Okay. Right. Yes, <laughs> exactly. The second you're done, you drop down. You still have these duties up here as an elder, as a pastor, as someone who, who has been given something a little more when it comes to the understanding of the word and how to teach it and bring it to people and love on people. You still have that but it doesn't make you any better or any worse than the rest of us. And I think sometimes pastors get put in weird places. It's not mm-hmm. just up here. You guys get put in weird places where I'm like, yeah. dude, <laughs> that's Josh. <laughs> okay. Yes. He's right. a pastor. Guess what? He's not pastoring right now. Okay. Right. <laughs> he's watching his kids play sports. Dude, right. you can sit yeah. next to him. You can sit. Don't hide your beer unless you have a problem. Okay. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Everyone's so scared of you guys and stuff. You know, it's like, I, I just try to say, realness. And let's be honest, in times past, some legalistic churches have created that, 
you know? And oh, also absolutely. I don't want to go so willy nilly to take away. Cause there's some churches where I'm like, that's a pastor. Oh, right. Hmm. Yikes. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I, and then you, I pull you, away, <laughs> man. You're so right. Because uh, I'm a real person and I, and I sin like everybody. And I, I mean, ask my wife, right. I'm not better than anybody else for sure. But, but I also do have, I'm called to a higher standard so there is a place where I need, like you said, you look at somebody and go, well, that's a pastor. Well, I still have to live that way too. You know, I have to, I have to be real and I have to live in the community, but there's certain things that, that just biblically I should not be doing that right. would, and, and it would technically disqualify me. Right. Right. And that's a conversation I had not too long ago and I had to pull away and I'm going to, I'm going to be safe because I don't want to totally oust the guy, but it's from another state. We we're chatting about it and he owns like one of the biggest party bars in a college town. And so I'm just trying, and then they have like one of their biggest money makers is this shot thing that they do, you know, all these shots. I'm like, you're the pastor and you own a bar that's yeah. giving shots to, and I don't want to get an alcohol thing and stuff because sure. I have my own views on that right. where I, I, you know, wine and a couple beers, I'm okay. Anything that's going to blast you right away. I'm just not on board with, I'll be honest with you. And I know we could have, Oh man, we could get canceled just in that discussion alone. Is a, but how can a, how can a pastor do that? That was my question. You know, right there is one of those things, and I don't want to open this up, right. but I I have a, a conviction, especially because I'm a pastor. That's something that I won't have anything to do with. If, right. if I came to your house and you know you you open that beer, I'm not going to be I'm not going to cancel you. I'm not going to be offended. Right. Right. But I'm also not going to because I know there's probably somebody else in my church who would be offended, and if they saw me doing that, and and of course I have other convictions as well. Oh yeah. But but because I'm in a position where people are are watching more so than than you know I would I I make those decisions, and I I think that you know we maybe this isn't part of our conversation, but I see people doing that with you where they they get frustrated with you because they say you have this platform. That's not really what you were called to be, right? right. That the leader of of moral or whatever, right? right? You, right. You've been given a right. platform because of your book, and and from there you point people to Christ. But right. but this idea of people, you know, because I've seen it. Well, you're you you've got a platform. You're supposed to right. be a leader, and that's not right. who you're called to be. You're called to be right. you, you know. That, and that's what I try to do. Is I make it very very clear that personally. I have a couple glasses of wine a week. That's me. Okay. Now, if I need to have it, well, we got an issue here. We need to work right. on that. You know, so people say, but Jason, now you're in this position where you could make a brother stumble. And I'm like, ah, you know, and also now I'm feeling guilt. What, what, what do I do here? So, I really right. feel, you know, or Jason, you got to act different. You can't, you can't joke anymore. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell. Obviously, I can't tell jokes that are are awful and horrible and, and demeaning. But let's be honest, every once in a while, I can push that fun edge and just have people shake their head at me, you know, and stuff. Am I taking glory away from God? Am I ruining my testimony? No, I'm not. You know what I mean? But as you know, people love to cancel within the church because mm-hmm. you've been given a platform and you, right. you didn't act the way we expect you. Well, I would truly like to go back and maybe look at young Timothy's life. <laughs> you know what I oh, mean? Yeah. When, when Paul let's, let's look at the, the, like the apostles, dude, they walked with Jesus and they doubted him. I'm like, right. what? they like, remember when he returned, they're all touching his hands and stuff, the holes in his hands. Like, come on now, you know? And so, so I look at them like they're imperfect. It's not a justification mm-hmm. for us to embrace our imperfections by any means, 
But come on now, sometimes let's, right. let's take it down a notch. I don't see us serving a God of guilt and a God of shame. I see us serving a God that wants so much more for us, you know? Right, right. And a God of grace. Yeah. Amen. So, Boom. See, there's the yeah. pastor right there. Boom. Right. Pastor. Oh, sorry. Pa- pastoral bomb right there and stuff. Grace. Yep. Well, you talk about Timothy. I brought this out when we studied Timothy. Timothy's dad, you know, people believe, scholars believe his dad died when he was young. His dad was Greek. So his mom had made a, a wrong, you know, and not a smart choice by by marrying outside of the Jewish the Jewish people already. So he was born into already a messed up home. Right. Uh, and and then and then his dad died, so he's raised by his mom and his grandma. He was, you know, we talk about racism. What was Timothy? Timothy was was what would we like a, a you know he was half Jew half Gentile. You mm-hmm. want to talk about a guy who who would have grown up getting picked on, mm-hmm. not having a clue what his identity was. That's who we're talking about with Timothy, and that's right. who God used. We we use a, we talk about a guy like Paul. We forget about his past. You can't tell me that that who Paul was. You know that that there wasn't some struggle as he continued forward to, you know, with the language or whatever it was. But Paul was a Paul was an evil person, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So I was right there throwing Bibles out, kicking over manger scenes, all sorts of stuff prior yeah. to coming to Christ. I, I, and I'm not saying I get it. Like it's a good thing, but I get where he was the rebellion, yeah. the rebellion that we all have that, you know, even as a Christian, I, I sometimes explain it, whether it's right or wrong, but I still feel like I'm toting this dead body along with me that still wants all this stuff that, that dead people want, you know what right. I mean? And, and so, but then I'm, my spiritual body is dragging it with me as we go through this world here, you know? And so I see where Paul was. I see where he was. And believe it or not, I don't see Paul being like claiming total guilt all the time, but in his writings, I see a lot of guilt in there for his Mm -hmm. past, but I don't see him like a woe is me guilt. I see him falling back into it as like, I shouldn't have done this. And this is where I'm at now. And this is the glory of Christ that I want to point you all to, you know? Right. Pointing again, out the I, grace of God what, in his life. Right. Yeah. Right. What yeah, I, exactly. I read into it. Yeah. Um, man. So again, talking about this cancel culture or, you know, my buddy, Billy Hallowell, like he likes to call it the cancer culture, which is, I'm in total <laughs> agreement. I'm like, wow, that's too late to change the name of the podcast. But then again, it's not a very kind name either. <laughs> so, but, but with that being said, you just brought up so many things like about Timothy and about Paul and, and, and all these people that the world would want to cancel, even the apostles, right? Oh, yeah. Didn't Paul hang out for a while before he kind of met up with all the original apostles, if yeah. you will, because he was scared of, you know, they wouldn't right. believe him, agree with him and stuff. Imagine what would happen if he was, quote, canceled, even though I know God predestined. I know it was oh, all sure. set up ahead right. of time. But from a worldly <laughs> standpoint, I think so often – what what happens when we cancel out people that God wants to have a voice, but the world won't let them have it? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. And I think we do that when we when we forget who we were and we don't. I, you said Paul talks about his past in, in a sense of guilt, but not living in that guilt. And again, that's because he understands the grace of God in his life. He's looking back, and I think that's a constant reminder to him. Uh, we're just finishing up Acts. We're in like 22 right now. And I love it. You know, he comes back to Jerusalem and the Jews riot. 
and he's getting arrested and the Romans are dragging him away and he turns around on the steps and he's, it's like one last plea to the Jews. And I brought out to our people, I said, Paul was raised in Jerusalem. He, he came back there and he learned at the feet of Gamaliel. That's like the greatest person you could learn from. He was well known. I guarantee you that Paul ran the streets in his free time with people that were in that crowd trying to cancel him. And what did he do? He turned around and gave one last plea for their salvation. And in that, he even did much what you did in your book. He walked back through his life and said, guys, this is who I was. And I can't imagine how hard that would have been for Paul to relive the fact that he stood there and held the coats while Stephen was killed and he hunted Christians. He told them, this is who I was. That's not who I am now because of Christ. And he he just... And I believe he had that patience because of the patience and love that, that Christ had for him. One of the things that really stood out to me in that <clears throat> is, you know, Paul was one who hunted Christians. He hated the church. And I think this is maybe raw for us in a sense and, and to our to our fault because we don't pay enough attention to the underground church. But because of the things going on in Afghanistan, right, we hear about especially these Christians that are uh, the Taliban's hunting them down, dragging them out of their homes, you know, hearing stories of of even the children just singing and praying until their last breath. And that brings anger to me, and I'm sure it does to anybody listening. That just brings anger. But that's who Paul was. That's exactly who Paul was. Yet Romans 5.8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While he was still breathing threats, as he says, you know, breathing, breathing threats and murder to the church, on the road to Damascus, Christ had already died for Paul. We forget who we are. We forget our sin, and we think there's this kind of neutral ground. Well, before I was saved, I didn't dislike God. I just wasn't into God. Well, no. You're, the, the Bible says that we are completely enemies. We are right there with Paul fighting against. So when we begin to remember that while I was still fighting against God, he died for me. And I say this. I say, imagine for a minute, if you died for, you know, Jason, if if you were here and and something was going on and and I you know we we get this from the fire service right if I laid down my life for you well that would make sense right we're we're buddies that's that's going to happen we're brothers in the fire service but if if say you know um say ISIS K walked in in and I laid down my life for one of them you would think I'm crazy because that's the enemy but that's what Jesus did for us while we were still sinners while we were still his enemies. He laid down his life for me. Therefore, I have no right to cancel anybody because Amen. I need to be laying down my life for them. Oh, I love that, man. No greater love, right, brother? That's that's the greatest love right there. Oh, man, that's so good. Hey, Josh, dude, this was such an awesome talk, man. I, I just, I love your perspective on things. I love that you and I can just kind of take the gloves off and and truly have a good conversation while keeping it Christ-centered. Talk about, you know, topics that are going to scare some people, but do it in a non-scary way and, and have those conversations. So I really appreciate you uh, putting some time aside and coming on the Cancel This podcast today. Well, it was my my privilege for sure, Jason. I appreciate it. And, uh, Appreciate the opportunity to be here, and thanks uh, thanks for that, for inviting me. Cool. Hey, and before I let you go, why don't you tell people about your podcast and where they can hear it in your YouTube channel and all that good stuff? Oh, sure. So um, I never would have assumed myself to be a YouTuber, but I'm a little over a year in now. So uh, yeah, I would love it if you would check me out on uh, YouTube. You can find me on uh, just, just 
just search Thinking Out Loud with PJ. That's Thinking Out Loud with PJ. You can Google it or, or go on YouTube. You'll find my channel. Uh, I'd appreciate you subscribing. I'm, I'm a smaller channel, uh, as we've kind of talked about today. The topics that I have are not topics that a lot of people want to listen to. <laughs> so That's why you're so, here, brother. <laughs> that's why I'm here. So, but uh, I would love it. Yeah, if you would check me out and then uh, subscribe and I post post videos weekly. So yeah, jump cool. on over and check it out. Awesome. Well, you have yourself a great day, man. We'll be chatting again uh, before long, I know for a fact. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.